This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Are you ready for the word? Ephesians chapter 1, the second part of Ephesians this morning. We're going to pray, then we're going to go. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can gather together. We pray for any other families like the Shooms who aren't here today because we've got sick kids. And Father, the families that are recovering still, we pray your hand upon them. We pray your healing in Jesus' name. We Father, we pray your protection downstairs today as the kids gather. We pray there'll be no sickness passed on in Jesus' name. And for the adults too, no sickness passed on in Jesus' name. Father, as we come to your word, that you would speak to us, open our ears and our hearts, particularly our hearts today, to hear from you. Use this message for your purpose and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I want to talk to you about the person next to you this morning. Have a look at to the person. Have a look at the person next to you. Either way, choose a side. And uh, I uh, want to talk to you about them. They're a good-looking bunch, aren't they? The person next to you. Have you sat down next to this person before? Have you sat next to them before? Do you know their name? Do you know their name? Find out their name if you don't know their name. What do you know about that person that you're sitting next to? What do you know about them? Do you know much about them? The best mum in the whole world. I like that. What else do you know about them? Here's a question I have for you today about them. Here's a question. What do you want for the person sitting next to you? What do you want for them? In life? Serious question. Serious question. You're no doubt sitting next to someone that you care about, or maybe you just sat next to someone, you happen to sit next to someone. Well, if they're part of our community, hopefully you care about them to a degree. What do you want for them? What do you want for the person next to you? Have a think, and I want you to tell them one thing. One thing that you want for the person next to you. Have a think about it, and then tell the person one thing that you want for them. Go for it. Let's have a listen to some of your answers. What did you say you want for the person next to you? Who's got an answer? They want to yell it out. Yes. Lovely. Someone else? Someone else? Yes. A meaningful life. That's a good one, Grant. A meaningful life. Another one? Good health. Good one? More rest. Blake? Not to, not to worry about money. Yep. Good one. Someone else? Live out God's will for their life. Another one? Joy. Yeah. Joy. That's good. One more? Peace. Yeah, good. This is our second week in our Ephesians series. The first week we looked at verse 1 through to verse 14, and today we're going to look at verse 15 through 23 of chapter 1. And in the first 14 verses of Ephesians 1, Paul tells us very clearly who we are in Christ. He tells us what God has done for us. He tells us who we are. And I talked about last week how we see ourselves affects the choices that we make. It has a great influence on our life. And today, in this from verse 15 through 23, Paul prays that what he said in the first 14 verses will become a reality in our lives. So what he told us is true in the first 14 verses. He prays in the next eight that 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 he's just told us would become our reality that we will know it deep 
in our heart. Let's um, have a look at this text as I read it. So verse 15, Ephesians 1. I'm reading from the NIV. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The uh, text there says Ephesians 1, 19b. The reason it says b is because the, the, uh, it starts with that power, which is the second part of the verse. So we, when, we, when, when we break verses up in that part one, part two, part three, we use a, b, and c. That's why it says 19b. So in the first, as I said, in the first 14 verses, Paul says, this is who you are in Christ. This is what God has done for you. And he, and he honors God and he praises God. And here, Paul prays that all the stuff he said in one, which is summarized here, the stuff that we know to be true, he prays that it will become deep in our hearts so that it's not just something that we know, but it becomes our reality. Because, friends, there can be a big difference between what you know in your head and what you know in your heart. What you know in your head is what you believe to be true. Yeah, I know it's true. I know that's true. But if you know it in your heart, and Paul writes, he says, I pray that your heart may be enlightened. There is this knowing that motivates you to action that Paul says that you'll not just know it here, but that you will know it here. Because when you know it here, it won't just be truth for you. It will be your reality that you actually make choices in and that you actually walk in. Deep. You get it. This is how I live. I, I want to share a story with you around this where this truth has not yet been, is not yet a reality in, in my life. One of the things I've been working on for years and years, and I had some breakthrough a few, a few years ago, was in, was in the area of people pleasing, where, <clears throat> where I would make choices and say yes to people to make them happy. Um, and it was really about my acceptance. I would try and please people so they would like me, so, then I, so that I would be accepted. Even if it meant that my family was affected because I was saying yes to them, and if, and if you're saying yes to something, you are saying no to something, yeah? Whenever you say yes, you're saying no. By me saying yes, my, sometimes my family was affected, and sometimes people would even want to do stuff in church that I wasn't 100% sure about, but I said yes because I just wanted to make them happy. And I think I dealt with that five or six years ago, but, but just recently, there's, there's been some situations come up 
and some, some difficult ones where I've wanted to make choices that please people rather than doing what I know is right. Now, I chose what is right, but within me there's this inner turmoil and loss of sleep because I know I'm doing the right thing, but yet I'm going against what someone wants and, I'm, and, and, and someone I care about and someone I please, and it's not Michelle, by the way. She's not here today for a reason, it doesn't matter. It's not her. Um, and I, and I want to please them, and so there's this inner turmoil within me between choosing to do what is right and, please, and trying to please them because the reality is I want their acceptance. Now, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it tells us that I am adopted in as God's son through Christ Jesus. So the truth is, I am already accepted. I am accepted. I know it's true. I can tell you that. It's true for me. But that truth has not yet dropped from here to here yet. So I'm still in some areas of my life looking to please people for acceptance, even though I have acceptance from the greatest one you'd ever want acceptance from anyway. And I don't need their acceptance, but this truth has not dropped from my head to my heart, and therefore I'm trying to get it in other places. You understand? And in this passage, Paul prays that what you know here will become here. For me, that I'll no longer look for acceptance from people, but I'll get my acceptance in God and I'll choose what is right because it's right. And I'll not lose, and I'll not lose sleep and I will not, I'll not have this inner turmoil trying to please people because my heart knowledge will say I'm accepted and I'll live from that place. And that is Paul's prayer for you and for the person sitting next to you. In this text, um, Paul firstly thanks God for the, for, the, for the believers in Ephesus. And then he prays four things for them. He prays, number one, that God would give them, and, we're gonna, and these phrases are heavy and loaded, and we're going to come back to each one of them in each one of these phrases in detail. Paul prays that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Paul prays that they may know the hope to which God has called them. Paul prays that they may know the riches of God's inheritance and finally that they may pray. Paul prays that they may know the power that is for them. Now, before I hit those four things, I want to look at the first thing Paul prays. And the first thing he prays is that he simply thanks God. Sorry, Donna, you want to take a picture of that? You can. Um, Got it? Excellent. Paul firstly thanks God for them. He says, for this reason, in verse 15, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I wonder how often you thank God for the person sitting next to you. Have a look at them again. How often do you thank God for them? You know, when, when you thank God for somebody, three things happen that I think. Number one is this, you... You, you position yourself in the right place. Because when you recognize God is God and all things came from him, you position yourself under God. That's the first thing that happens when you thank God. The second thing that happens is that you recognize that God is at work. You recognize that God has worked in this person's life, that he's drawing them to himself or he's drawn them to himself, that he's given them all good things that God has worked in their life. 
And so you're recognizing what God has done. And the third thing is that you recognize the value they give to you. When you thank God for them, you're, you're recognizing the valuable, how valuable they are to you. And that's a really good thing. So one of the things we should do is simply thank God for the person next to us. Yeah? Let's now go on to the, to, to the four things that Paul prays. The first thing he prays for the uh, church in Ephesus is this, that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and understanding. It says in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Why? So that you may know him better. Why does Paul want them to have the spirit? So that they may know him better. Now those words wisdom and and revelation are descriptions of the Holy Spirit. Here the the Holy Spirit is described as the one that gives us wisdom and revelation so that we may know God better. How do we know God better? Well, the Spirit, the revelation, the, 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 the Spirit reveals God to us. Revelation. And the Spirit also gives us wisdom, and wisdom is knowing what to do with truth. So as the Holy Spirit comes on us, He reveals who God is and what we're to do with what, what, what God wants us to do which in turn helps us to know who God is because we know what he's like and we know what he wants us to do, which is a picture of who God is. Understand? A bit confusing. Is that clear enough? Thank you. That we may know him better. Now, it's interesting here that Paul prays that God would give them what they already have. He says that God will give them the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, back in verse 12, I think it says that God's put... His spirit in them as a deposit guaranteeing their inheritance. And then he prays here that they'd have the Holy Spirit. And then in, verse, in chapter 5 of Ephesians 5.18, he prays that they'll be filled with the Spirit. See, the idea of the Spirit coming upon you is not just a one-off experience in life. It's an ongoing, hopefully daily experience where you're continually filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is there at conversion. It's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. That's what it says in chapter 1, verse 12, I think. And then here, Paul prays that we would have the Spirit, that we may know God better. And later in 5.18, that we'll be filled with the Spirit daily, continually, ongoing, that we may be empowered by Spirit. Let's be people who continually fill with the Spirit. And so the question I have for you today is this. How often do you pray for the person next to you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I sometimes um, go to my kids' bedrooms and they're in bed and, and Michelle does the Bible reading and the book and prays and then often go in afterwards. And, and, and I sit on their bed and I have a quick chat and then I just stick my hands on them and I just pray, God, fill Joel. Father, fill Joel with your Holy Spirit. May he know you more. May you fill him with your gifts and power. And I go to the next one. Father, fill this one with your Holy Spirit. Fill him with your gifts and power. Because we need the Holy Spirit. We need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Pray for, the Holy, pray for the filling of the Spirit in the, in, the, in the people around you, in the people next to you, the people you care about. Number two, Paul prays the second thing. The second thing he prays is they may know the hope to which God has called them. Verse 18, I pray, this is beautiful, that the eyes of your heart, not just your mind, but your heart, the part where it becomes a reality for you, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, 
in order that you may know three things. The first thing is that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now, when the Bible talks about hope, it's not some hope, wish, I hope this might happen, I hope I get a Ferrari one day, not really. I, I, I wish that, no, when the Bible talks about hope, it's talking about an assurance. Back in verse 13 of chapter 1, it talks about the inheritance that we have. And this hope is talking about that inheritance, that we would know that heaven is waiting for us. Heaven is ahead of us. It's something that is a guarantee and it's something that we can look forward to. When I was in United at school, um, it, it wasn't a good year for me at school. I must have been bullied. Um, I remember all the classes separated and I went with my friends. And this wasn't a good year. Didn't like it. I remember sitting in English class, sitting by myself right next to the doorway so I could look down the hallway because it was just so boring. And I looked out. Sorry, English teachers, but I was so bored. And I turned to the back of my English book and I counted down to, I counted down the days until, until our family holiday, which was in the September and October school holidays. So in term one, about halfway through, I, I, I counted down the days and I, and I started at 100, I don't know what day it was, 120, I wrote down 119, 118, 170, 100, all the way down to one and then holiday. And then in English class, every lesson, I would cross off the days and then I'd recount them all and make sure I got it all right and then I'd cross off as I was looking forward to this holiday because I didn't like what I was in. And I was looking forward to this thing that sort of kept me going that year because it was something that I could look forward to. And the reason I share that story is because it's a bit like heaven. That in life, um, Andrew said this morning that sometimes we get stuck and we go through difficult situations. And in those difficult situations, friends, we can look towards what is ahead of us in eternity. The place where there's no more weeping, where there's no more pain. The place where we'll see God face to face. The place we'll be in his presence 24-7, where there's a great banquet, where all the saints of old will be there together with us, if you're a believer this morning, and we'll worship him together. It is something so great to look forward to. And Paul says that we would know it deep in our heart so that it would motivate, it would, it would move us in the way that we live. So that when we go through those difficult times, those seasons where it sucks, and a season like we can't get out, we look forward to what is ahead of us, and that gets us through. It changes the way we see this life. We get less focused on the, on the, on the beautiful houses and the lovely cars and how much money we got, and we think more about eternal things. We think more about people's souls and people's lives getting saved. We think more about sharing Jesus and discipling people. We think more about who can I invite to Alpha because that's going to have eternal value. Less about how do I um, take extra shifts on at work and, 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 and friends, there's a time for that and that's totally appropriate sometimes. But it's easy for us to get caught up in the next finance goal and the next thing where actually that stuff unless you're investing in the kingdom, hasn't got a lot of eternal value. And when we have a heaven mindset, a heart that's focused on eternity, it helps us to make choices about bearing fruits, make choices where people's lives are impacted with the message of Jesus and are transformed, where we will receive a reward. We will receive a reward in heaven for how we live this life. You know, the Bible talks about two judgments. It talks, the first judgment is, are you in or are you out of heaven? That's the first judgment. Everybody has that judgment. And, then there's, and there's a second judgment for Christians. And this isn't in my notes. I'm just saying this 
and, and it's either in, I'm not sure, it's in 1 Corinthians 3 or 2 Corinthians 3. It's definitely Corinthians 3, I don't know which book. And in it, Paul says that we're, as believers, we're going to be judged on how we build. And if we do it out of our own strength, and if we do it out of our will and for our glory, well, that's not going to, there is no reward for that. But if we do it out of honoring God, choosing to obey Him for His glory, we get rewarded in eternity. It's serious stuff. And if we and, and we're thinking about our future, and we do, and we, and we talk to um, um, financial planners about our retirement and our superannuation and how we're going to live, and we look ahead, friends. That's that's good. We should do that. We should plan ahead because we want to be a blessing to the church, to His kingdom, to our family. We don't want to be a burden on society. We want to be a blessing. How much more? How much more should we be thinking about eternity and reward and inheritance and how we're going to live that forever? How much more? How often do you pray for the person next to you that they would know the hope, heaven, that is for them? How often do you pray that for them? That they would know deep in their heart that they have heaven in front of them? Is that okay? That was a bit heavy, wasn't it? Got a bit fired up. Bit excited about that one. Number three. Thank you. Paul prays. Number three. There's four of these. That they may know the... May the oh, this is beautiful. They may know the riches... Of God's inheritance. I'm going to flip back aside because we need to read the verses. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. The hope. Then he goes on to say the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's the second thing around the enlightenment of the heart. Now, I used to read this text. I'm going, what's that about? Is that our inheritance? Whose inheritance? I read some commentaries and then it clicked. This is talking about God's inheritance. You know, God has an inheritance. We have an inheritance in eternity, but God has an inheritance. And it says that we may know the riches of his glorious inheritance. What is the inheritance? In his holy people. Friends, you are God's inheritance. Amen. Amen. You are God's inheritance. He gets to inherit you. You guess you heard me. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You know, in Christ, the, the first 14 verses tell us that in Christ you are chosen. In Christ he predestined you. In Christ you are forgiven, that you are blameless, that you are holy in his sight. That it's in Christ we are adopted in. That it's in Christ we have an inheritance. And that inheritance is actually God's inheritance for us. We are here. We are his inheritance, and by looking at this, friends, it tells us that we are loved, that we are valued, that we are unique, we are special to God, that God looks at us and he adores us. We are his people, and one day he's, he has us now, but one day in eternity he's going to have us, the fullness of us forever, and he's looking forward to you. God's looking forward to have a new man in eternity with him, for you are his inheritance. Boom! That is good. Is that good? Yeah. Wow. Hope you feel encouraged today. I'm encouraged today. Last one. Oh, before I say that, how often do you pray this one? How often do you pray for the person next to you that they will know that they are God's inheritance? I don't pray that, but I should, because Paul does. Number four. Paul prays. Last one. 
they may know the power that is for them. Wow. You think the last one was good? That they may know the power that is for them. Remember, going back two slides, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. This part, this, this reality, this part of you that affects the way you live, that you may know three things, the hope to which he's called you. The second thing, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. And finally, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power God used to do that is the same power God has for you. Hannah, for you this morning, that power is available for you. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything. Why? I love this. For me, for you, for the church. He's up there for us, which is his body, the fullness of him. He fills everything in every way. Friends, God has great power for us. When I was in year, when I was in year 12 at school, I was a little bit smaller than what I am now, and, and, and as I used to walk through the playground, there were these two year 10 boys, and two year 10 boys used to bully me. And I used to think to myself, hang on, these kids are in year 10. I'm in year 12. How can they pick on a year 12 kid? But they were just bigger. And they'd get me, and, and whenever I walked past, they'd grab me and push me into a pole or pull my bag or something. But then other times, I would walk past them with my mates in year 12. Yeah? And it was never, ever a problem when I was with them. When I was on my own, I was fearful. I hear these guys again. How am I going to get around these guys? But when I was with my mates, no fear, because I had the power. No problems. And friends, it's so much more for us with God. That God has power for me and you. Power to bring, to bring breakthrough. Power to bring healing. Power to reconcile. Power to open doors. Power to, and you can write the list. God has power and friends, it is for you. And Paul writes that, Paul prays that you would know that power, not just in your head, but in your heart, so that it changes the way that you live. When you know, when you know you have God's power, it helps you see your problems from a whole different perspective. It helps you to see there is a way where it seems there is no way. It tells us that we don't need to rely on our strength, our abilities, but we can rely on God because of his power that is for us. And friends, we do not need to live afraid because God has power for us. In our society today, our society's lost the plot with toilet paper and this fear around the coronavirus. We've lost the plot. Seriously, I see it. And I saw people, women fighting over toilet paper in Woolworths and they have to call the police. And, and, and it's based on fear. It's fear. People are afraid and they're living out of fear. Friends, we do not need to be afraid. God has the power for all that we need. 
It doesn't mean we're stupid and go and find someone with the virus and cuddle them and kiss them. That's stupid. But we do not need to live in fear. God is our comfort. God is our provider. God is our strength. God is our protector. God is our healer. And we can stand unafraid knowing that he's got us. I've talked a lot about the person next to you this morning. Let me talk to you for a moment. Paul prays these four things. He prays, number one, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you would know him better. We need his Holy Spirit so that we know God better. The second thing he prays is that you may know the hope, the assurance of eternity. That you may the hope to which he has called you. So we will focus on eternity rather than on today. Number three, Paul prays that you may know the riches of God's inheritance so that we would know how valuable we are. And finally, he prays that we may know the power that is for us so that we will not be afraid. We will not be afraid. Who am I speaking to this morning? Who am I speaking to this morning? Anyone? Is this for a few people today? Two hands. Good. Do you want to know God better? Pray for his Holy Spirit. You want to set your mind on eternity? Pray that God will reveal that to you, the hope that is for you. You want to know you're valuable? Pray that God will reveal to you more and more that you are his inheritance. You want to live unafraid? Pray that you would know his power. And you will be unafraid. Imagine if we all prayed this for ourselves every day. And God, as we praise, as we pray, He supernaturally changes our thinking and He supernaturally changes our heart. You know, sometimes we need to choose things. The Bible says, choose this, put on this, live this way, and that's a choice that God wants us to. But what Paul prays here is simply a move of God in our lives. That God by his spirit would come and move in us. It's a supernatural move. And it happens as God moves on each one of us. And God wants it. He desires it. And all we need to do is say, God, here I am. Here I am, God. Do that in me. Imagine how you'd be different if this was your reality. Imagine what your family would be like, your community would be like, your workplace would be like as you live like this. I reckon things would be radically different. So as we finish today, I'm going to ask you to pray for the person next to you. And we're going to pray this. Father in heaven, Thank you for, this is for you, Kathy. You can pray this for Voltaire. Thank you for Voltaire. I ask that you give Voltaire your Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that he may know you better. I pray, I pray the eyes of Voltaire's heart may be enlightened in order that he may know. Got the idea? Two slides. There's a second part about the power. So let's, let's pray this to the person next to you. If you're able to, if, if they put your hand on their shoulder, that's comfortable. Put your hand on their shoulder. 
And we're going to pray this for the person next to you. Out loud, are you ready? Three, two, one, go. Father in heaven, thank you for... Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 